Praise the Lord. How many of you are ready to experience some of that power tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. I hope you got enough to eat tonight, and I hope you're ready to just have your socks blown off. It's going to be a great, great night tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity you give us on a Monday night to come and worship you and lift up the precious name of Jesus. Lord, in this room, we know there's power in the name of Jesus. We ask you, Lord, there's some in this place, they need encouragement. Some in this place need healing. Some in this place just need a job. Some, Lord, whatever the needs are, I pray right now your power would fall fresh on this place. You'd use the music, you'd use the testimony, you'd use the messenger to just bring the word of God and let your Holy Spirit have his way in every heart. Cleanse us, O Father, from our sin and prepare us to be filled with your spirit tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Hope you got enough to eat. Uh, if you didn't, it's your own fault. Uh, what a tremendous meal. Appreciate those who are working in our kitchen and making sure that everyone gets a, a, a plenty to eat, and I appreciate that so much. Next week, we do the same thing all over again. Uh, it is 6 o'clock to serve uh, the supper, and 7 o'clock, uh, we'll have First Baptist Kilgore Choir, and then Dr. Robert Jeffers from First Dallas here. Tonight, we're so blessed to have the choir combined to Emmanuel Baptist Church in Marshall with Brother Ricky Hall here. What a blessing uh, it is to have them. We're excited about that. Is your pastor here? I think. Is Sean, Sean Smith, are you? He's not here. He's not here, okay. His wife's here? He's babysitting. Oh, she's in the choir, amen. Tell him that we missed him, all right? I want you to pray for this uh, young couple right there. They've been in Marshall a little over a year, I think July of 2018 when they came. And uh, he's doing a tremendous job at Emmanuel Baptist Church. You pray for that church as this man of God stands up. He's, he's one of those that's going to stand up for the Word of God. And anytime you do anything for God, somebody's going to come against you. So you pray for him and pray for this great church. And then pray for this service tonight. And then leading us in our uh, uh, message tonight, Dr. Heath Peliquin, uh, doctor, heavy on that doctor there. No, he, he, he's, he's about the least thing of a doctor I've ever seen in my life. But I know. <laughs> he did a tremendous job in Corpus Christi building a great church. The Southern Baptist of Texas stole him. And uh, like they ruined him in that office. And then we got him in the North Texas Baptist Association and redeemed him. And then Summer Grove Baptist Church in Shreveport came and stole him from us. And he is doing a tremendous job in Shreveport at Summer Grove. And you're going to be so blessed uh, to hear uh, Brother Heath Peliquin tonight. Uh, I think that's all uh, I need. Just remember, uh, we are, there's a little up circumstances. Ladies, there's two doors to your bathroom. That means ladies only. We're not a transgender church. So it's ladies only over here on this side. Men, you have to go back outside and no, you go back down the, the hallway and we've turned two restrooms into men's rooms because the men's restrooms is going to be in the new building. So they're not ready yet. Don't go over there and try to use the bathroom over there. Use them there in the very back. And if you need anything, find somebody. Looks like they know what they're doing, uh, and, and we'll help you with any way at all. All right, are you excited? You ready to hear some more music? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. <laughs> 
All right, what a blessing to be here. It's such an honor to be asked to come and worship with you guys, and uh, we're looking so forward to it. I love this church. Just about every time I get a week of vacation and try to just get away from my regular routine to find somewhere else to worship, this is where I come to worship. So I, I just love your fellowship here, and thank God for what he's doing here in this fellowship. Let's stand up together as we begin to sing the praises of our God tonight.
Is that an incredible thing to be able to say? I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Sing this with me. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down. amazing grace and all that he's done for us on the cross.
Can you imagine the Son of God dying on the cross for us? If you don't know Jesus, He loves you that much tonight. He did that for you. You can be saved tonight. Christ died on a cross so that you could be saved. All of your guilt, all of your shame, all of the horrible junk in your life, like we all have, can be washed pure and clean because of the blood that Jesus shed on the old rugged cross of Calvary. Christ is able to save. Would you stand with us and sing this again? Come, Come ye sinners, poor and
thank you that you are able to save us from all of our sin, Lord. I know who I am. I know the shame that I have of sin in my life before you washed it away. Lord, it's no longer there, and I thank you for that. Thank you for making me clean and right with you, a friend of yours. God, I pray that tonight, if there's anyone here that doesn't know how, know about that friendship they can have with you, that before they leave here tonight, they will have settled that. They'll come to you and call to you for salvation and let you purify their life and make them right with you again. We're so grateful for this opportunity to come together tonight and just sing your praise, to sing of the power in your name, to do everything that we need and to hear whatever else it is, God, that you want to say to us tonight. We pray you'd open our hearts wide open as Dr. Pelican comes to share your word. May you be glorified and have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My, my, my. Woo, my, my, my. Thank you, brother. I tell you what, <laughs> if you didn't like that, I can't help you. My soul. I lost both shoes up here, but I didn't feel bad because so did Brother Charles. I'm telling you, right now, we had a Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled shout and revival. I love it. Hey, by the way, thank you so much for having me. Brother Charles, I love you. We've been friends for a long time, and it's a privilege to be here and I am so grateful to be in this pulpit where so many have preached. Your pastor can preach the stars down. I'm telling you right now, he's one of my favorite people. I, love, I even love your minister of music, okay? Can I just tell you that? I'm still praying he'll get right with God. But anyway, I'm glad his, wife, his wife's still the best thing about him. But anyway, we'll keep going. Amen. I love him and your student pastor. Man, I love him. I want you to know your church does it right. Let me tell you why you do it right. And I'll say this about you too, Emmanuel. I don't want you to feel like we're leaving you out. Whenever you preach the Bible, you win. Because we live in a culture that doesn't preach the Bible anymore. And the Bible is what changes lives. The Bible is why our students at Summer Grove show up. They don't show up because we're cool. They don't show up because we're great. They show up because we open the Bible, the Word of Life, and we let it speak into us, and we leave changed people. That's what happens. And so Christ is able to save. That's what He does. And because of His Word and because of truth, he is able to do that. So I am honored to be here tonight just to give you just a little bit about me. I am from Rusk, Texas. Do not hold that against me, but I am an East Texas boy. My mom and dad are from South Louisiana. They moved to Rusk, Texas. So I wasn't kin to anybody, amen? With a last name like Peloquin, I wasn't kin to anybody. I grew up there. I went off to college. And the Lord allowed me to meet a precious lady. And as I was studying ministry, we got married and we have been on a journey for the last 22 years. I can't believe she stuck around with me that long. My beautiful wife, Jennifer, who's back home with our four children. But I'm honored to be with you tonight. I do live in Shreveport, Louisiana. I do get the privilege of pastoring Summer Grove Baptist Church. And I tell you what, they would have loved being here tonight because y'all remind me of them. I tell you, you love, hey, you believe what you sing. Amen? You ever gone to a Baptist church? He is April. He is able. I'm thinking, is he able to even breathe? Come on now, he's able. Anyway, for those of you who don't know who I am, I'm just this way. Yeah, every Bible's tonight, we're going we're gonna to be in 2 Samuel chapter 15. 
2 Samuel chapter 15. I want to talk about one of your favorite Bible heroes, heroes in all the world. I'm going to talk about one. I, I pray at the end of the night you will get so attached to this biblical figure and you will be able to identify with him in such a way to where you will leave here a changed people. I want you to know I was reading this passage a year ago and literally as I was reading this I had to get on my knees because I was like, Lord, how have I been a Christian this long and never read this passage of Scripture? I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to be strange, but I want to talk to you tonight about one of my favorite biblical heroes and his name is Itai the Gittite. Itai the Gittite. 2 Samuel chapter 15, beginning in verse 13, the Bible says about this biblical hero. And a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Then David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else there will be no escape from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us quickly and bring ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. I want you to notice the king's heart there. The king's heart was for his people. Verse 15, And the king's servants said to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do whatever my lord the king decides. So the king went out and all his household after him. And the king left ten concubines to keep the house. And the king went out and all the people after him. And they halted at the last house. And all of his servants passed by him, all the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the 600 Gittites who followed him from Gath, passed before the king. Verse 19, then the king said to Itai the Gittite, why do you also go with us? Go back and stay with the king. For you are a foreigner and also an exile from your home. You came only yesterday, and shall I today make you wander with us since I go I know not where? Go back and take your brothers with you, and may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. But Itaya answered the king, as the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, wherever the Lord my king shall be, whether for death or for life, there also will be your servant." And David said to Itai, go then, pass on. So Itai the Gittite passed on with all his men and all the little ones and were with him. And the land wept aloud as the people passed by. And the king crossed the brook Kidron. And all the people passed on towards the wilderness. If you can imagine with me, at this time a man after God's own heart. At this time a man who was the king of Israel. A man who had, his, he had, he had come across great possession, great power. He had great wealth. He was a man of great prestige. But because his son Absalom had captured the heart of the people, the king of Israel, David, yes, our king David, left the kingdom. And he's parading out of town in sadness and as he's parading out of town, he comes across the very man I want us to focus on tonight. He comes across a man who has a, a band of, of an army of just 600 people. Just 600. That's all he's bringing with him. And yet David looks and goes, I, I know Joab. He's been with me the whole time. He's been my right arm. I've known Abishai, his brother, because he's been with me the whole time. But who are you? Have you ever been there? You're just so overwhelmed that you decide, I'm going to follow the king. And you're following the king, and all of a sudden the king turns around and says, um, Who's he? 
That's what I want to talk to you tonight about. The first thing I want you to see in chapter 15 of 2 Samuel, verse 13, is a messenger came to David saying, The hearts of men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Two things I want to say about that. Number one is Absalom was David's son. David loved his son. Let me, let me just be real honest with you tonight. For those of you who like to take notes, here is the first point. And I know we're in a revival service, but I'm going to speak deep here. There is no heartache like the deception of a friend or a family member. Uh-oh. There is no heartache like the deception of a friend or a family member. David knew that the people's hearts had been turned by his own son, get this church family, against him. That means you and I can live right before God. We can do everything right before the Lord and our own family can turn away. Yes, that can happen. You can do everything right. Mom, dad, grandparents. And your kids go wrong. Listen to me. We have, we have sold a lie down the river that if you would have just prayed enough, if you just given enough, if you would have just... Listen to me. Sometimes people walk away from the Lord because they don't want the Lord. Whoa. That's why you need to stay faithful to Jesus so that there'll be a time when they'll want to come back because they'll see what you've got's real. Let me say that again because that was better than bluebell under a pine tree without a spoon. You need to walk with Jesus long enough, church, so that one day they'll want what you've got because they'll see what you have is more precious than gold, more precious than silver, more precious than worth, because they'll see that you value the Word of God above everything. There is no heartache like the deception of a friend or a foe in his great tragedy. And by the way, I love to read Shakespeare. Not everybody does. I've got family members like, ooh. But in Shakespeare's tragedy from Julius Caesar comes this incredible Latin quote. He says, et tu, Brute, in Latin, which means even you, Brutus. And I can almost see in this tragic event in the life of King David, he is thinking, even you, Absalom, my son. Because he loved his son, he was willing to leave the kingdom. Notice what's happening. David is like, you can have all the power, you can have all the prestige, you can have all the presence, you can have the platform. I am going to leave. Why? Because you're my son. But he leaves with a broken heart, not because Absalom has the kingdom, church, but because Absalom has rejected David. Woo! Sometimes there's just no heartache like the heartache of deception of a friend or a family member. Look what he goes on to say in verse 14. David said to all his servants in Jerusalem, Arise, let us flee or else we will not escape from Absalom. Let's go quickly. Let's run. Let's go. Everybody load up. We're going to pray it out of town at night. It's going to be quick. Grab what you can. Let's go. Look at verse 15. The king's servant said to, to the king, Behold, your servants are ready to do what? Whatever my lord the king decides. I want you to see the loyalty here. They didn't question him. Hey, David, you're the king. Why don't you just go and take his head? They knew Absalom. You see, Absalom was the one that kept going to the city gates saying, Hey, where are the city fathers and why are they not helping you? Where's my dad? Why is he not helping you? He was undermining the kingdom the whole time. He was walking in deception the whole time. He had weaseled his way to the top. The whole time. Why? Because he wanted the power. Get this church. He wanted the power without understanding what it takes, the promise to get there. Because you know what? You just don't arise to there. God has to be involved in it. 
God has to be a part of it. God has to be in control of it. And man can't do it. We can't fabricate what God can do. And in this sense and in this moment, the king's servants say, whatever you say, we'll do. I want to ask you a question tonight. When your king and my king Jesus says, hey, I want you to do this, are we ready to arise to the occasion and say, Lord, whatever you have in your heart for me, I'll do? Or do we go, I don't want to do that. I, I just... Let me tell you what we did. Y'all love this. I'm going to talk to you a minute. I'm coming over here. Don't, don't be afraid. I'm an equal opportunity spitter. So at our church, we pray in both our venues. We have two venues. We have a traditional service like this, and then we have one that has smoke that comes up from the ground. I don't know where it is. It scares me to death. Both services in, in our church. I know this is revolutionary. Let me tell you something revolutionary we're doing. We've started instituting praying during our church. And let me tell you what I did at the Summer Grove Baptist Church. I said, okay, we're going to pray. I need everybody to come forward to the altar. We're going to pray. First time I did it, I thought, well, we might have five. You know, we're going to try. I had to wait because people were coming from the back. And I knew some of them, it was going to take them a while to get down here. It was going to take them a while to get back. And I was like, no worries. They get to the altar, they get down, we start praying. I get up, and in the first service I turn around, half the room is at the altar. And that was when the Lord said, hey, when my people will follow me, I'll do something. The problem, folks, is we're not willing to obey in the following. The Lord just taught me in that moment, I don't know what I'm doing. So I went to the second service. In our second service, it has the smoke that comes from somewhere. I don't know. I'll talk to y'all a minute because I've already talked to them, okay? So, so... I call them up to the, I thought, well, you know, this is the hip-hop cool service. There won't be anybody. The whole flight, the whole front was flooded with people. And right there at the center, right by the pulpit, is, listen, a CEO of one of our leading medical centers in Louisiana. And he's got his hand out to the pulpit, and he's praying that God would put his power on his pastor. And I am just crying before the Lord because here's a man of great prestige and power crying out on my behalf. And when we were done praying, he looks up at me yesterday and says, I'm praying for you, Pastor. I said, I'm ready to run through a brick wall. <laughs> How many CEOs of Fulton 500 companies you know are willing to get on their face before God and say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm in. And I ask you a question. What about you and me? The servant says, whatever's in your heart, we'll do it. Verse 16, so the king went and all his household after him. Look, there wasn't a business meeting. He just did it. And after the king left ten, ten concubines to keep the house, and the king went out and all the people left after him, and they all halted at the last house. I could almost, could you see them? They're all parading out of town. Everybody's now left from the kingdom, and they turn around to look back at the last house, the last house in the kingdom. And up on the hill, he can see where he used to live. But he was willing to give all that up for his children. Hey, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. There's not a parent in this room that loves their children and wouldn't willing to give up everything. David understands your heart. This is King David of the Bible, y'all. This is one of the lowest points. I don't believe at any point with Saul was he ever hurt like this. I don't believe at any point when God said you are called in front of his brothers was he hurt like this. But his own son wanted something that David himself could not give him. But Absalom took it anyway. There is no heartache like deception of a friend or a family member. And let me tell you something. David understood that. Some of you do too. The second thing I want you to see is sometimes family comes in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes family comes in all shapes. Look at verse 18. 
All his servants were passing by him, the Cherethites and the Pelethites. I don't know much about the Cherethites and Pelethites. But they passed by him and he was like, thank you for serving. These were people not of his kingdom. These were people that were not of his bloodline. But these were people that stood by the king and were faithful to him, were loyal to him. But that's not what Samuel found strikingly important. I want you to see what he says down here in verse 18 because this hits you. He says that all of the 600 Gittites who had followed him from Gath passed on before the king. 600 Gittites from Gath. Now, you may be thinking, I've heard of Gath before. Well, let me just read you a passage of Scripture about why you know about Gath. Gath, we first hear of in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 4, when David meets a man named Goliath from Gath. These were filthy Philistines. These were unclean people. These were the people hated by the children of Israel. These were the arch rivals of your local high school. I grew up in Rusk. We hated the Crockett Bulldogs. I'll just keep moving right along. We thought they were filthy Philistines. If you're from Crockett, I I, I forgive you, but I, I don't love you. Anyway, we'll keep going. Kidding. All 600 of the Gittites that had followed him from Gath, look at this. They passed before the king, verse 19, and the king says to Itaiah the Gittite, why do you also go with us? Go back and stay with the king. You're a foreigner and you're an exile from your home. You only came yesterday. David was so moved that a man who came by yesterday was willing to follow him tomorrow. Let me ask you something. How far are you willing to go with Jesus? I want to go all the way, all the way. Hey, listen to me. you got to follow him today so you'll get there tomorrow. Amen? This moved. Look at how David is moved by this. The king is literally just torn to shreds. He says, Itaia, the Gittah, why are you going with us? Go back to your, your people. Look at this. You, verse 19, you are a foreigner and an exile. I just want to give you some things. Foreigner meaning you are not from here. And exile meaning you were forced to leave where you came from. David says, of all the people who should know rejection and all the people that should know abandonment and all the people should understand pain, you are not from here, therefore you're not accepted, and you didn't choose to be here. You were exiled from where you came. You were forced to leave. You ever been there? Sometimes family comes in all shapes and sizes. A Gittite from Gath? Really? Somebody from the Philistines, a part of David's family? Let me go a step further. How about the Apostle Paul willing to reach out to Gentiles? That would be those of us that are not Jewish in the room. Aren't you glad that he went to us and said, we've been grafted in by the grace and blood of Jesus Christ? Because if not, folks, we would be foreigners and we would be exiles. If Jesus only died for the Jews, we would have no hope in this room. But praise be his name, he died for all of us. His blood shed for the entire world for the forgiveness of sin to make us right with God. He did that for you and me. And so David is so moved by Itaiah the Gittite. He says, why don't you just go back? Take your brothers with you, verse 20. And may the Lord show steadfast love and faithfulness to you. I I don't believe David ever minced words. I don't think David was a person of flattery. I think David meant every word of it. Go back with my blessing. I bless you. 
I, I think David was so moved in a time where his heart was completely broken that he didn't realize he had family. And I think in this, morning, in, this, in this moment, church, he realized, oh my soul, I have not met anybody like this guy, I tell you. I've never seen anything like it. 600 men from, from Gittai, Gath, really? I wish I could tell you that's the greatest part of the story, but I want you to see verse 21. I want you to see... The third thing, I want you to see a faithful response. It won't take some of you long to find a parallel, but I just want to read it to you. It says, But I answered the king, As the Lord lives and as my Lord the king lives, wherever my Lord the king shall go, wherever the death or for life, there also will be your servant be. What are you saying, Heath? What I'm saying is, basically, Itai the Gittite says, um, wherever you're going, I'm going. If you die there, I die there. You're my king. Long live the king. Let me ask you a question. If you and Jesus are walking out the city and it looks like everything around you is failing, and he turns and goes, hey, you want to go too? Oh, by the way, if you read John chapter 6, beginning in verse 60 through 66, Jesus actually asks his disciples, says, hey, uh, everybody else is leaving. Are you going too? And Peter says, where else can we go? You have the words of life. That's in the New Testament. What about Old Testament? How about what Ruth told Naomi, which is it's oftentimes I've even read this for couples at weddings. I know some of you are shocked I do weddings. I am a pastor. I do weddings. And I stay by the script, amen? Because I could preach for an hour in that wedding because some people out there need to hear it. But we'll move on. Ruth chapter 1, verse 16, 17 says, But Ruth said... To Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where, I, for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people will be my people and your God, my God. That's what, that's what Itai the Gittite said to David. You're my king. You're my leader. You're my family. I have no one else. We're a foreigner and we're in exile. They don't want us there and they don't want us here. But you wanted me. Let me tell you something. 2,000 years ago from the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ said he wanted you. He wanted a relationship with you. And he shed his blood to say to you and me, I am doing this so you can have life in me. I am, not, I am the king of kings and lord of lords. I am not bound by this cross i'm going to this cross so i can set all of us free from sin death hell and the grave david is in shock verse 22 it says and david says to Itai, go then and pass on you know what he's saying after he had counted all the pelethites and the cherethites and after he gave high fives to Joab and Abishai because he's been with them since they were little boys, he looks at Itai and says, you're one of us. Can I ask you a question? Who needs you to be an Itai to them? Who do you need to be faithful and loyal to? Obviously your family, absolutely. If you're married, your spouse, your children, your parents. Grandparents, how about your church? How about your pastor? How about your leaders? Everybody needs an Itai. Everybody needs to say, I'm here for the long haul. I'm putting my feet down. I'm plowing straight ahead. And I am not going to stop. They can take my life. But I'm here. You know what will change Longview, Texas? We need a few Itai of the Gittites. That's what we need. That will change Longview, Texas. You say, what do you mean, preacher? You've lost your mind. 
He had 600. He had the smallest of the group. Yes, he did. But let me tell you why the fourth thing is I want to be like Itai the Gittite. If you have your Bible still open, turn to the right two chapters. I want to read something to you about Itai the Gittite. This is the part that blew my socks off when I read this. I think I actually shouted out loud and scared my Australian shepherd at home. His name is Bandit and he is his name. Verse 18, chapter 18, verse 1. Chapter 18, 2 Samuel, verse 1. Then David mustered the men who were with him and set over them commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds. Verse 2, this is where I lost my breath. And David sent out the army, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zariah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the command of Itai the Gittite. There are three Israel generals. There are three commanders in the army of David. And one of them he met two days ago. He's now made the commander. Why? Because faithfulness and, and loyalty and love and steadfastness and a willing heart and a willing spirit before a holy God will exalt you in his presence. Even though everything around you is falling apart, child of God, you and I can be an Ittai, Ittai the Gittite, who God can take from a foreigner and an exile and make us a commander of his army. Unbelievable. By the way, this was David's heart. You remember Mephibosheth? Everybody wants to name their children Mephibosheth. That's why we have so many of them named that. Every mom's like, I need to write that down. And they're like, no, we're not. Nobody wanted Mephibosheth. Matter of fact, Mephibosheth thought when he went to King David, David was going to kill him. And I really believe when he got to the king's table, I believe it was the king that stood up and pulled his chair back. I believe it was the king that said, no, 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 and put Mephibosheth in the chair. You want to know why, church? Because Mephibosheth represented Jonathan, whom David loved. And David would have given his life for anybody that was loyal to him. And I believe that when, when, it, when Itai the Gittite walked by David, he remembered that God was faithful to him with Jonathan. He knew what loyalty and faithfulness looked like and sounded like. He could see it in his eyes. He could see it in his heart. From a tribe in which David hated and even went out and killed and chopped the head off of their greatest leader, Goliath, David loved Itai. And he became one of his reigning officers. Unwanted by everyone else, including Absalom. Absalom didn't want him. But David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, knew that God's hand was on Itai. Hey, listen to me. I think we're much more like Itai than we know. I'm not from royal blood on this earth. I'm from Cajun parents from South Louisiana. The name Peloquin is like the name Smith. Amen, it just is. There's something to say when happens when we are faithful before the Lord. We're steadfast in His work. We're loyal before Him. We're courageous. We're honest. We're loving. We're kind. Somebody needs you to be a Tei. That's what they need. That's what they need. He leads 
one of the greatest moves of God because David is about to reclaim his throne. Here's the sad part of this story. David never wanted to lose Absalom because Absalom was his son. You know, when I was a little boy and I'd read about Absalom, I was thinking, he just needs a good spanking. He just obviously must not have been spanked a lot. He must have been coddled a lot in his life. He didn't grow up where I did in East Texas where I'd spank you. I'd get spanked by my parents. I'd get spanked by my neighbors. I'd get spanked by my teachers. He just needed, he just needed to learn a little corrective love. But he was David's son. And he had David's heart. How can you say that, preacher? Because David was willing to leave all the gold in Israel to have a relationship with his son. Hey, kiddos in this room, let me tell you something about your parents. They would die for you. And they will love you with everything they got. You want to know why I know that? Because I'm one of them. And I really want to be more like Itai the Gittite than I want to be like Absalom. Itai didn't set up that day to be the commander of anything. But when he passed by David, David, I think, looked over to Joab and Abishai and said, keep your eye on that one. He needs to, he needs to move up the ranks quickly. Two chapters. He's leading a third of David's army. What happens next is pretty interesting. At the end of chapter 16, I won't read it, I'll let you read it, but David leaving the city ends up in the Mount of Olives weeping. It's kind of reminiscent of a scene we've seen before, and I just want to read it to you, and then I'm done tonight. You see, there was another one who went to the Mount of Olives and went into the Garden of Gethsemane and wept. And his name was Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, it says this. So then Jesus went with them to the place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over here and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even unto death. Remain here with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and he prayed, My father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not I, but your will be done. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went and said, Father, if, it's this, take, if this cannot come to pass unless I drink of it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, and their eyes were heavy. So leaving them, he went away and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Jesus knew what it was like to go in that very same garden that David was in and say, Lord, not my will, but your will. I believe David identified more with Itai than anyone. How can you say that? He was a foreigner to his own king, Saul, who, while he played beautiful music for Saul, Saul would throw darts at him. He'd be chased like a dog for years. He knew what it was like to be exiled. He knew what it's like to be ostracized. Can I tell you something? 
Jesus knows that too. If you're here tonight under the sound of my voice and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to hear what Paul wrote the church at Rome. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10, he says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. That means made right with God by the death of His Son. Much more how we who are, we who are like Him will be saved by His life. Jesus came to set us free from our sin. Jesus came to make us right with God. Jesus came to make us whole again. Jesus is looking for some Itai, the Gittites. Loyal, faithful, humble, honest, loving, kind. Jesus knows where you are. And He cares about you. Child of God, let me ask you something. Has the Bible study grown cold in your heart? Has the prayer altar grown Low in your life? Let me ask you a tough question. And listen, I don't ask this to be flippant. I'm asking because we do this at the church I come. When was the last time you came and cried out for somebody at this altar? When was the last time you said, well, you know, somebody may be looking at me. I want you to know there's a whole bunch of people looking at you. There was a whole bunch of people looking at Itaia as he passed by David. And they're like, what is he doing here? And Itaia's like, wherever he goes, he goes. Long live the king. I'm with him. Maybe it's been a long time since you said, Lord, I've forgotten what Calvary's like. Bring me back. Let me remember what it's like to be in love with you more than the things of this world. Because I tell you, I was in love with the King. When you get in love with the King, church family, it just doesn't get any better than that. You get along with the King like I did at 3.30 this morning. He just woke me up and said, I want to spend time with you. I went, ooh, that's good. I'm glad you want to spend time with me. Because I know what it's like to be dumped at the Dairy Queen. Walked in one night with some flowers. She was talking to another guy. I just laid the flowers down and said, you can have her. Walked out. Some of you ladies know you've had some guys like that too in your life. You're like, mm. But you know, wherever my wife goes, I'm going. That's a different story. There's something when Jesus wakes you up at 3.30 in the morning and says, I want to talk to you, that your soul just starts burning because you get to meet with the King. Church family, when was the last time you cried out for someone that needs to be saved or someone that you know that used to come to Woodland Hills or come to Emmanuel, but they've walked away from the Lord? You might be the only one to pray for them. Did you know that? The enemy will tell you, oh, don't worry about that. You don't need to do that. Somebody else will. Let me tell you, there is no somebody. There's you. You are the somebody that needs to pray for them. Maybe you tonight need to rededicate your life. I don't know what you need to do, but I will tell you this. Jesus Christ is here. He's looking for some Itaia, the Gittite. Not notorious, not pompous, not arrogant. Just men and women that says, wherever you go, I'm going. Whatever you say, I'm doing. You are my king. Long live the king. What are you going to do with Jesus tonight? Maybe you're here and you've never trusted Him as your Lord and Savior. Listen to me. You're not going to heaven because you came to church. You're not going to, you're not going to hell because you're bad. Listen to me. There's a lot of good people that are going to go to hell because they've never trusted Jesus. Man, there's some, I mean, there are some moral people that are going to miss heaven because they've never trusted Jesus. You have to place your faith and trust in Him. Did you know tonight you can do that? In a moment, I'm going to pray. Our worship team's going to come and lead us. 
And as we do, I'm going to ask you, what's the Holy Spirit saying to your heart? Maybe not. You say, I need to be a Taya. Maybe you need to come get some things right before the Lord. Maybe you need to pray for someone else. Maybe you need to cry out for God to send revival. That's what I'm praying for in our church. We need revival in Shreveport. We lead the nation in crime. We need God to do something in my city, and we're just desperate enough to pray for it. Let me ask you something. What does Longview, Texas need? It needs a few Taya, the Gittites. But it costs something to do it. So trust Him and obey Him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you tonight for this sweet church family. Oh, Lord, what a precious, precious family of God. Lord, I pray in this moment your Holy Spirit will begin to touch hearts and lives. And, Lord, there will be people all over this room. Some that know right now, Lord, they know in their heart they do not have a relationship with you. Lord, I pray in just a moment they will stand to their feet. They will come down and take Pastor Charles by the hand and say, Tonight I need Jesus. I need him to save me tonight. Lord, there's some people in this room tonight, they, they know, they know that they have an Absalom in their life. Lord, they know they have someone in their life that's turned away from you. Oh, God, I pray tonight they'd come to this altar and pour their heart out. God, I pray all over this room, maybe someone needs to join this church. Oh, Lord, maybe someone to be encouraged from Woodland Hills or Emmanuel or other churches in the area to say, I need to step up and say, Lord, wherever you're going, I'm going. It's time to quit playing games. Hey, listen to me, Christian. You can't play Jesus on Sunday and live however you want on Monday. It's got to be real. Lord, I pray you do it tonight. Call us out. Lord, our country needs revival. Lord, our cities need revival. Do a work, Lord. I pray in a moment when we stand to our feet, Lord, that we would respond to you. Come in power. Move in this place for your kingdom and your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As we stand to our feet and as we sing, the altar's open. Pastors are down front. You come, don't delay as we sing. Respond to Him. You are good, you are good When there's nothing good in me for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are whole you are whole you have covered all my sin you are peace you are peace when my fear is crippling you are true are true even in my wandering you are joy you are joy in the reason that i sing you are life you are life in you death has lost its sting oh i'm running
people said amen have you been blessed tonight what a blessing I was thinking about as he mentioned Mephibosheth I got seven or eight messages out of that one message there so this is good night for preachers amen I thought about old Mephibosheth a nurse dropped him when he was five years old crippled all his life but you know what I imagine old Mephibosheth would tell us tonight it's not so bad being crippled when you can sit at the king's table. Amen. 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 <laughs> I just tell you, our God is a good God. Amen. And whatever you're involved in or wherever you are right now, I'm telling you, God wants to meet you where you are. We, can we, you just play a little bit more music through? We're not quite through. Would you just bow your head? And we're going to do something a little different tonight. If you're here tonight, I know many of you, and if you're embarrassed and you say, I can't do it, can't do it, can't do it, then don't do it. But if I know personally that there's some hurting people in this place tonight. And if you're, if you would like for someone just to pray with you in a group around you, and you're going through something right now and you're hurting, would you just slip up your hand? Just just slip it up and hold it there, okay? And when, when would you look around and when you see a hand, would three or four of you just get around that person? Just slip your hand up and leave it up. Three or four of you get around that person and just lay hands on them and pray for them right now. I've got a problem. I've got something that I, 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 I want to trust the Lord over, and I just want somebody to pray for me. Just slip up your hand. Don't want to embarrass anybody. I want to tell you, the greatest thing you can have is folk praying for you now. But if you're there, you're there, just slip up your hand. Right back over here. Amen. Anybody else did we miss? Just slip up your hand. Somebody get to you, okay? 